Hey guys, and welcome to the newest episode of It's Shamira, Not Shamira, where you hear all the fun things that run through my mind. P.S. I am sorry in advance. Random talks that I have with friends and family, and anything else the universe decides to throw my way. Well, what are we waiting on? Let's get going. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Shamira, not Shamira. Uh, it's been a little since I have talked to you guys, so I definitely want to play catch up. I've uh, been incredibly busy in a good way. So let's see. Last time I talked to you, I was just going through um, just some things that had happened in life, and so I was just trying to get the message from them and I'm still getting the message from them uh so interesting how you could literally learn something every day but it doesn't make sense uh until recently and I will give you a prime example that I was talking to one of my friends the other day and I I mentioned it on I think one of my social medias any hooters um my uncle used to live next door to us and when I would go to his house, I would see these pictures all the time, but I never really thought anything of it other than, wow, there's another naked black lady, and oh, there's that picture is ginormous, but that guy's super muscular, and you know, that that's pretty much it. And then, fast forward to, what, 12, 13 years later, um, I remember looking at some of the artwork in the house. Actually, no, rewind. I came by one day <clears throat> and the front room has a bunch of large statues that are so incredibly dope. Um, some are very <clears throat> Buddhist inspired, excuse, Buddhist inspired, excuse me. <clears throat> and then others are these large black Egyptian sculptures. And I remember walking in going, damn, these are dope. And I took a bunch of pictures and posted them. Mind you, I I see them all the time. I just, you know, never really thought much of it. It was just, they were there. It was normal. You know what I mean? And then a couple weeks ago, I remember being here and looking around and going, you know, all this artwork, it's a lot of black love in this house. A lot. I mean... You look at paintings and it's a couple embracing each other, a couple loving on each other. Um, This picture that he's had in the house since I was little and it's this naked black woman. And it was what makes it even more beautiful now is you can see the stretch marks on her and it's just, but who cares? It's just, you see her body and it was no airbrushing. It's not like this body is bought because he's had this or he's had that picture since what eighties, nineties, something like that. Um, and it's just nice to see a body in its natural, just m- made the way it's supposed to be, and just showcasing it in its beauty. If that makes any sense at all. So, you know, sometimes we'll look at things and lessons that are taught to us or, you know, things, stories that we've heard. It doesn't make sense at that time, 
but at some point in your life, you come full circle with, you know, a scenario and it all comes into a better view. And I, I try to remind myself of that when I throw life lessons at my, my teenage son all the time. He feels like everything's going to turn into a lecture. So, <laughs> but it's because I tell him all the time, look, if I die tomorrow, I need to be able to have poured as much knowledge as I possibly can into you so that when I am gone, you're okay. So, yeah, poor kid. <laughs> um, but let's see, things that, things that I've gotten in the last, let's about two months. Um, I think I talked to you guys about my Europe trip since I've been back from there and just been able to process all of that. I'll tell you, I hate Paris. Um, I definitely do. Am I willing to give it another try? Of course, because I try foods that I don't like multiple times, so why not a, a city? But I definitely had a horrible experience there with just being stared at and feeling awkward and uncomfortable with just walking down the street. Um, Italy was beautiful. The people there were amazing. I told you guys about meeting this dope chick at Lush in Rome. Um, and I'm starting to have like this great feeling about Lush because when I went to Lush just a couple weeks ago, I was in the UK. I had a dope experience again. Um, but I'll get to that shortly. Um, Spain, one of my favorite places in the world currently. Um, and I say currently because I have a couple of, uh, couple more trips in the United States, out of the United States coming up. So I, it may change a little bit, but you know, I, I still have confidence that it will be in my top five for sure. <laughs> um, <clears throat> not only the people and the food, it was just, you know, walking down the street and just the, the atmosphere and the culture was amazing. Um, my Spanish is broken enough that it made, it made do in, in talks that I had, um, with lots of people from young people my age to, um, this woman that I am not convinced that she is 83, but she told me she was and she spoke zero English and I spoke broken Spanish. So it was very interesting. But when it's, it says something when you, um, two genuinely happy people, love just pours out and love is universal. So the love that I had to just sit there and be in awe of this woman and the love that she had for me to just be willing to listen and try we got through it, uh, which was amazing. Um, let's see. We just went to the UK a couple weeks ago. My That was my son's first time out of the country. And he does not do flights, <laughs> but he got through it. Uh, it. It doesn't help that he's he's 6'3". Excuse me. And so sitting, we, you know, went with a tour group. So sitting in regular seats is not easy for him. So that was definitely an adjustment. And especially coming back because our flight was ten, about 10 and a half hours coming back from London to uh, Vancouver. So he definitely had a struggle there. But um, I think it was worth it. He's like on the fence about it. We started in Scotland, which amazing. Um, it was great to be there during Pride Month 
because you seen all of these like rainbow flags and couples out, which were so nice to see because I was very upset that I missed yet another pride here in our city. Uh, again, I'm from the Bay, so pride was that weekend that we were out of town. So it was nice to have a little piece of that while we were away. Um, haggis was yummy. I enjoyed it. I uh, enjoyed the black pudding because I'm a sort of vegan here. I still eat fish to a certain extent. But when I'm overseas, I'll eat anything because um, they just treat us better. Well, they treat their food and their people a little bit better with what they put in their food. But I digress. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, but that was fun to try. And he tried it too. So that was cool. He definitely did not like the, the, Sprite, the sodas in general there because, of course, they can't put the same things in there. So they tasted a little diety. So he was very happy to come back to the States and have a Sprite that tasted the way that he's used to. But I'm sure when they come over here and taste our Sprites and, and Snickers, they're like, what the fuck? Uh, he definitely liked the Snickers better over there. Uh, but again, they can't, they're not, a, a lot of the, the ingredients we have here, they're not allowed to use over there. So it definitely did taste a lot better. I brought one back home and the whiskey. Oh my God, there's so much whiskey. I can't wait to go back there. I just can't wait to go back there. It was fun. We visited uh, a bunch of ca castles, but you know, after a while, you see one castle, you've seen them all. And same with the churches. They, you've seen one 200 year old church, you've seen them all, except for one when we were at York Minster. Was it York Minster? It was York Minster. It had a ginormous organ. I do mean ginormous. But the the structure of the church was all the same. So when we went to the Windsor, um, where Harry and um, Meghan got married, that same church, like the structure of the church was pretty similar to what I had seen. And it was interesting being there because... You think, you know, it was this big elaborate wedding. There was a lot of people, but you get inside and you're like, wow, where the heck did everybody sit? And they have to be pretty close to each other because it is kind of small in this, because it's like a church within a church, like a little square on the inside. It was pretty interesting. Um, I do not watch TV unless I'm on a flight and I, you know, see a TV show or something or another to to keep me awake or keep me entertained in between my books. So, um, I, I had no idea the historical content behind the tutors at all until we went to, um, what was it? Warwick Castle. Then they had a recreation of the, um, the story, pretty much like a, a quick view of the storyline in this little jousting arena of how it all started. So that was interesting. How come history can't be told that way? Because in 20 minutes, I understood exactly how the Tudors became. Um, they made it very clear between the War of the Roses, you understood what each side was. And it, man, if history was like that, I'd probably know a lot more. Because that made it interesting. It was hot as fuck, though. So uh, you're standing outside in the, the hot sun with a little shade, but you're watching this, this whole little jousting um, play, I guess you would call it. 
I don't know. Somebody will correct me. <laughs> uh, but it gave me a, a very quick idea of how did this all start? This is what these flowers, you know, now represent when you see them together. I sent a text message to my dad and was like, hey, I just found out about the story of that show you love as he was literally watching it. So that was pretty fun. Uh, what else did we do? Um, seeing the story behind the haggis. Um, there was a lot, oh man, I'm not a Harry Potter fan. I'm not against Harry Potter. It's just, I've never seen any of them. So I have no interest in it at all, but it's in Scotland and in London is very prevalent. I guess, I mean, where we were, it was where, what's her name? RK, RJ, RK Rollins. The lady who wrote the books, um, we were at the coffee shop that she wrote the books at, or, you know, we went to visit the cemetery where some of the characters are based from, I guess, just with the switch up of a couple of the letters. Um, so that was interesting to some of the kids, not really for me, because again, I don't, that's not my background. I don't really know anything about Harry Potter. I couldn't tell you. Outside of Harry Potter, I don't know any of the characters, so I was a lot lost, not even a little lost. Um, so unfortunately, that consumed a lot of the trip, um, but it was nice to see the Towers of London, and it was interesting because the first time we took a picture there, we had to retake it because my son, being with the angle that we were, he literally covered up one of the towers, so that was, we had to redo that, which was pretty funny. Um, there were three kids that he really connected with and two that hung out with us the whole time. And they were incredible kids. Um, what else did we do? It's, it was just a lot in a small amount of time. A lot. Um, when we were, what did we do in the UK? Let me turn my phone on vibrate so you guys don't hear all of the binging and clicking. Um, what else did we do? Oh, when we first got there, not when we were in Scotland, we didn't stay at a hotel, which was interesting to me. We stayed at the University of Stirling, which is literally a, a university, but they rent out rooms, which was really interesting. The kids really enjoyed the workout area there. They said it was incredible. Oh, that was something to get used to. We got there right before summer solstice. So the sun wasn't going down until 1030, 11 o'clock. And then it would come back up at 430 in the morning. That, and then we're, of course, we're eight hours ahead. So that literally threw my body for a loop. It didn't take long to get used to it because I've always worked at night. So, uh, not always, but I've predominantly worked at night. So a late swing to graveyard hours. And even when I was working swing, sometimes I worked the double for the, not sometimes, a lot of times. So just not sleeping and day, nighttime, it didn't take long for me to adjust, but it was just really weird to get used to. I could not imagine living in Alaska when they have just days of sunlight. Um, so yeah, that was that was very interesting. Oh, I went into this monument called uh, Scott's Monument, and I do not remember the history about the about it. I just knew this 
this tower looked amazing. They dub it the the Gothic temple or the Gothic tower. That's what they dub it. Um, but when you you get to go inside, which I had no idea, and when we had free time, I let the kids just kind of go off and do what they wanted because I knew they weren't going to do much. They went to the mall and they hung out at the mall. <laughs> so I went and been to to go be a little adventurous, and you get into this tower, and I will post it on my Instagram um, for the podcast. When you first walk into the tower, first of all, I couldn't imagine if I was a thickums with hips because going up it at the base of the tower, if someone was trying to come down at the same time, I had to take off my backpack and squeeze onto the wall to make sure that they can fit to come down the stairs. And the further up you went, I started before I even started up the next level, I would yell up, is anyone coming down? Because if someone was coming down, it got so tight the higher you went up the tower. No, If someone was trying to come down at the same time as you, you either they would have to go back to the top or you would have to go back to the bottom and let them pass and then start it all over again. I got to the point when I got to the very top layer of this tower, I had to take off my backpack and because I couldn't even... Even if I had my arms crossed and folded, I couldn't, there wasn't enough wingspan to get through that way. I had to literally turn to my side and crawl out of the tower. But here's the funny thing about that. The things that our mind will tell us. So getting to that first, and I forget, I think it's like 300 steps or something like that. I don't remember how many. But the first maybe 10 steps when I go around that little curve and I don't see the immediate light of the bottom, I start thinking to myself, oh my God, I'm hot. I didn't bring any water. Maybe I should go and go get some water and come back. This is going to be too much. If this is tight like this and I was already warned that it was going to be even tighter up top. I was like, I don't want to get stuck. What if I get stuck up here? I'm not going to make it. My mind just started doing a million and ten ridiculous things. And I do mean ridiculous. It started making up the most irrational fears. And I had to stop and think to myself. And no, actually, what happened before I stopped and thought to myself. I went up a couple more steps. I was hot. I had on a, a sweater in the first place. And so my fears started kicking in. My body started getting hot. And then a couple came down. And it was two couples, actually, that came down. And um, I said, how are you guys doing? They're like, we made it. I was like, is it worth it to go up? And they said, yes. So after they walked out, because, you know, I don't need anybody to see me having a panic attack. (laughs) Um, I told myself, none of them had water coming back down. They're fine. Nobody died. Nobody stuck. Get over yourself. And sure enough, I was I shook it off. I went up. And I, I had no idea that it was going to be stopping point. So I literally thought it was just, you take those stairs and you go straight up to the top. No expectations, no explanations of anything different. That's just what my mind went into. I started walking up a series of steps and I see light. A big thing of light because they have little like cracks in the tower so you can look out and take, you know, take pictures or take in the view, whatever, however you want to handle it. 
And I go, that's weird. I know damn well I didn't make it to the top already. And I get to that little area and it's a big opening. And I get out and I'm like, okay, I'm not at the top. However, it's not just straight up. So all of those irrational things that I was thinking, because when you pay for a ticket, you pay for to either go midway or go all the way to the top. I knew I wasn't even midway. So I go, wow. I started thinking all those crazy things for no reason. Because it was a stop before it even got to the the tinier, you know, areas uh, of the tower. And you got to walk around and, you know, there were um, informational things about um, the guy who was the architecture for it. I forget what his first name was. Let me see if I can pull it up because it's pretty interesting. Um, but, you know, it gives you a chance to also take in the views. So I got out. I walked around. The You know, it's just a little square. Not very much to, you know, not a huge thing, but it gave you a chance to just kind of breathe. And I literally had to tell myself, what was I thinking? Like I was tripping. I absolutely was tripping because once I got up there, I could have easily turned around and went back down because I knew I wasn't at the midpoint. I also knew that there was a lot more steps to go and I wasn't nearly at the the slender area of it. But I looked at myself and I said, you know what? I made it this far. Keep going. Why not? So that's what I did. But at first, when I started, I had all kinds of things going through my mind. But just that one little, that one little area and those people coming down helped me change my mindset. And it's so interesting because I guess that's what this talk will be about. Mindset. Because this past weekend... I had a lot of things that had to remind me of my mindset as well. Um, oh, Sir Walter Scott. That was, uh, that's who the, the monument is named after. And it's in Edinburgh, uh, Edinburgh. I always want to call it Edin- Edinburgh, but they kept telling me it was Edinburgh. So, excuse me. But it's in Scotland and it is absolutely breathtaking if you look at any of the the if you're into that kind of stuff um if you look at any of the pictures online it is absolutely beautiful and it's literally in the middle of a park you can sit there and you can have lunch and all this fun stuff it doesn't even look that big but once you get to the very top it's amazing how high you are and how much of the city you can see anyway so moving on um I get to the next area of the tower and it's a little slender, but hey, I made it the first wave. The second part of, so after I did the second step, I went to another group and by that point, or another part of the tower, I'm going up. And by that point, two older women had started doing the climb as well. And I can't quit at that point. Because I'm, hopefully I mentioned it to you guys when I was at a cave in Nierha, Spain. Um, there was a, what made me not get tired while I was in that, that cave is the fact that there were two elderly um, people in there. There were a couple and they pushed through like nobody's business and they were just taking pictures. They were just so present and um, I mean, the cave was amazing. 
and beautiful, just breathtaking to be inside of. But I couldn't be tired and want to sit down and take a break when they didn't take a break at all. I didn't care if they had been, they could have been fitness trainers their whole life. I didn't care. All I saw was two elderly people pushing through. So guess what my ass had to do? I had to push through. So that's what I did. So when I get to this tower and I'm trying to go to the next part of it and I got these two older women that are right behind me, guess what my ass is about to do now? I'm here to power through. So we got to, I think it was the third part and that was like the the area, the deciding point. At that point, you can either go back down or you can try and make it up to the very top Um, because from there on, I think at that point, I could... Um, hold my fingertips together and put my arms together, kind of like I G Medini. If I was about to to you know blink my eyes and do something, so about that arms that was the the arm span or the wingspan of the the stairway at that point. Um, so you can either decide to go back down or continue to go up. Um, not only did I pay to go up, but these women started going up. So guess what my ass decided to do? I was going up. Peer pressure at its finest in the best way. And it was cute because as we start going up, you know, we're very encouraging to each other. We're almost there. All right, it's getting a little tight, but you can do it. And then as I get almost to the top and I'm recording so that people can see how small and how narrow that air, uh, that little area was, they call out to me, are you okay? (laughs) You know, I'm fine. You just wanted to record it. And you get up top and just the, I wanted to use my selfie stick to take um, a good 360 video uh, or a picture of it. But the wind was so horrible. I just knew I was going to drop my phone. And because I had already put that into the universe, I figured the universe was going to hear me and take me up on that. And I didn't want to. So, and even just thinking about it, my stomach just dropped just a little bit as I'm talking about it and envisioning the view again, because you're pretty high up. Um, and I thought all the crazy things, what the heck would happen if this tower went down right now and I'm at the top? What am I holding on to? Oh, you know, crazy stuff. But I can think that now because I now I'm on top. And then my rational mind said, well, look, this tower has been here for a long number of years and I'm sure they've had earthquakes and all those things. So it's made it. You'll be fine. And here's what's interesting about um, the thought process of going up that damn tower. Going up it, I thought every crazy thing and it was hard and it was tiring and I was hot and I was bothered, (laughs) but I got up. Going down was a breeze. A breeze. Like it, it was nothing to go down the tower. And it's so crazy because that's life. You know, we think about all these crazy circumstances of what if, And this past weekend, um, one of the guys in one of the courses that I went to, he talked about two words that can be everything or the most damaging. And it's what if. So you're thinking all of these what ifs. You know, what if I get stuck? What if I get tired? What if I pass out? There's no, is there anybody in here? You know, it's anything, anything. But you can turn that around and go, what if I don't go? What if I miss that beautiful view? What if I don't conquer my fear? What if this little thing that I don't do turns into something 
huge that I, you know, miss out on. So it just so crazy how, you know, once you get through whatever obstacle that you got through that, you know, whatever it is in life, it can be something minor as, you know, skydiving, or it can be a real thing, you know, people have to make some real life decisions on horrible stuff. Um, so it, it's always interesting what happens after you make those decisions and what's on the other side of it. You know, what, what's that, that saying, you know, what would you do if you weren't scared? What if, what would you do if you weren't fearful? And most people will say any and everything, you know, but you, you can't get rid of the fear. It's just all of those things that you would do if you weren't scared, do it anyway. Because what, what it makes you as a person, um, the things that you can get to, you know, the things that the opportunities that you have and all that fun stuff, everything's on the other side of fear. And it's not even one thing that I was told, um, is it's not the journey. It's not, it's not the end of the journey. So, you know, some people were like, I got to do this because I want to be a millionaire, you know, at some point in my life or, um, I got to do this so that my family is taken care of, whatever the reason. It's not even that. It's the person that you become along the way. Because whatever that big goal is, there's a journey to get there. And we're never who we were when we started. Never. So, interesting thing about mindset. I don't realize how different my mindset is until I'm in a, a, a room with a group of people whose mindset is not that way, if it makes sense. Or, um, it, that's usually when I realize, dang, I'm... Am I weird? Am I, is there something wrong with the way I think? Cause I don't think like some of the people in, in this space, you know, depending on where I'm at. So I was at, um, a course this weekend. Um, and it was interesting because one of the questions was, is $50,000 a lot? And some people said, yes. Some people said no, but it wasn't a lot of us that said no. Um, and my next question was before the speaker got a chance to finish, I said, in comparison to what? That's just my natural reaction to, to that question. Um, mostly because it can, $50,000 could be a lot. Cause I mean, if you ask me, is $50,000 a lot for a pair of shoes? For me, hell yeah. What are the shoes going to do for me? Like, what is it? Is it going to be an investment? Are they made of gold or something? Is that going to, you know, that $50,000 going to turn into something else? Um, or, you know, if you think about $50,000 for a viable business, shit, that's nothing. Because that $50,000 is, you know, if it's a viable business, can turn into millions. Is that fifty thousand for an education, um, and not just any education? Is it um, a targeted, specific education that's going to turn that fifty thousand into something else? Because you either become a different person, you learn some a skill that's gonna to help you turn it into something else. So something very targeted, not like a general education, not just you know fifty thousand to go to college and get your AA degree. That's, you know what I mean? It's 
very targeted and very specific. Are you going to spend this 50000 for just strategic knowledge in, I don't know, let's just say a restaurant business so you can learn the, the pit, pitfalls and all the, the numbers that you need to do, inventory and all that stuff. Is that $50,000 going to be an education that'll teach you how to start a restaurant and make sure that you avoid all the losses that most restaurants go and, you know, deal with because they don't have that, they just, they don't have that, that, that focused knowledge, you know, because if that's the case, that 50000 is nothing because what that 50000 may save you in losses that you don't have to go through because somebody taught you how to avoid it, priceless. I mean, shit, can I write that off on my taxes? Is that going to be uh, 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 some sort of tax deduction? Is that going to teach me how to be in a different income bracket? Is that going to teach me how to be a corporation or something where I'm taxed differently? Then, yeah, that 50000 is nothing. Um, and it made me think of this Facebook post that I seen. And the post was um, some husband that um, wanted to divorce his wife because they had um, like a, a shared account or something like that. And she took like 80000 out or something, some some number to pay off her student loans. And now he's like, I want to divorce. And it was posed in a group that I'm in. And, and most of the guys are like, oh, yeah, she, you definitely need to have a divorce. Like, this is ridiculous. And I remember posing it to my cousins. And mm-hmm. I have one cousin. We are, we don't butt heads much. Um, but when we do, we're really passionate about the things that we're butting heads on. But that's because we're so much alike. Um, and her response is the same as mine. Like, I don't understand. I'm not geared to divorce anybody that I, my husband, my wife, whoever I decide to get married to, I'm not divorcing them over 50,000, 80,000. I don't give a fuck what the money was. I'm just, it's money. But so interesting with mindset, what that told me with everyone that said we're getting a divorce was that that amount of money to me was a lot to them. Just think about that for a second. You're willing to divorce someone that, and if you're religious, you know, you've made these vows to God. Or if just me as a person, I pride myself on if I make someone a promise, I'm going to stick to it. Because my word is everything. Um, So I do my absolute best to do it. And then if I tell you I love you, money is not going to make that, make or break that. Just, it's not. Um, and both of us was like, you know, you can get it back. But again, with that, that's our mindset. We are very different in that sense. And I've been very fortunate enough since I was 20 to be around people that taught me money is abundance and it's a tool and you can do a lot of great things with it, but it's never going to come to you if you, you limit yourself. So once you start telling yourself that 20,000 is a lot, that's probably all you're going to get because to you, that's a lot. So once you obtain it, you're going to be so excited that you, you don't go further than that. Um, read books because your, your mind, you got to feed it all the time and to make sure that you're constantly reminding yourself there's so much out there, you know, um, 
it's just a lot, you know, just think differently, always be business oriented, always be thinking wealthy and not just wealthy as in money, wealthy as in your health should be important. The people you surround yourself with should be important. They should be motivating you. Um, they should be holding you accountable for your actions. So it's, I've been very immersed in that type of mindset since I was 20. So when I hear the the people in the group saying that they want a, a divorce over that, literally all I thought was their mindset was so messed up. And I was like, that's to me, someone that's broke because not only are you saying that that's a lot of money, but you've already told yourself it's so much money that you'll probably never get it again. And that's why you're so hurt that they, they took that away. So now it's like, we've worked really hard for this. You're already telling yourself we're probably not going to get it back and I'm ready to leave you for it. Like that's something for me, something like that. It's, you argue about it and you go, look, you're going to be kissing my butt for a while. But she also used it to pay off debt. It wasn't like she used it on something frivolous. You know, it wasn't like I'm just using it. And regardless, even if she used it on something frivolous, it would, for me would be an argument, but nothing to divorce over. I could see divorce possibly being an option if that was $80,000 that was spent on a gambling habit or spent on a bunch of prostitutes or something like that. But even still, it's not the money that's the issue for me. It's the problem behind it, the foundation of where that money went to. So you have some sort of addiction to something, whether it's drugs, gambling, whatever that case may be. So it's still not the money. It's the, the problem associated with everything else. And now we need to fix that. So still not divorce worthy to me, but again, my mindset is different. So back to what I was saying, um, to me, what that told me about them was that amount of money was a lot. Um, that also told me that you never think you're going to get it again and that you value money over the person that you're supposed to love and protect for the rest of your life. That to me, when I looked at, I was like, Ooh, Yep, none of y'all would be in my dating pool because I literally just started a business and I spent more than that to just start the business. That would stress some of y'all out. And it's, you know, to start a business and to, to get mentorship and the classes and the coaching and all that stuff to make sure that I don't make many mistakes. But again, I don't see that as it's a huge investment to me. It's not even a big, it's, it's not a lot of money because of what it's going to do. So that's where that in comparison to what comes from, it's not a lot of money to me in the first place, let alone what it can turn into. So you look and go, Ooh, I, I could never date. Not one of y'all sure couldn't because my lifestyle would stress y'all out. But I say that to say this, think about how you think about things. Think about what rules you versus what you rule. Think about the obstacles that we put in our own way and obstacles that are actually real that we need to jump through. Are we making our life harder on ourselves by just overthinking things and creating problems? Because to me, once you say it, do it, think it, you put it in the universe, you put that energy out there and it becomes real. Somehow or another, the universe is going to put that in your way. If you tell yourself 
you, you know, you, if it wasn't for bad luck, you wouldn't have none at all. Guess what? That's what your life is going to look like. If you tell yourself that, you know, money is of abundance and it comes to me in every single way, you're going to stumble over wallets that have a dollar in it, or, you know, you're going to wind up, you know, somehow getting a $500 bonus or $2,000 bonus or have this, you know, huge opportunity jump into your lap that, that, you know, brings you a, an abundance of money. Um, if you are always thinking, why me? You know, cause you can think why me? And, and most people think of, of it in a sulking type way. Why me? Why is my life always like this? Why am I, you know, always, why is there something always happening to me that that's going to all, those kind of things are going to be attracted to you. You're literally a walking magnet of energy. You know, it's just like the, the people, guys, women, whoever, and they're always like, why am I dating the same type? Well, you know, the common denominator is you. We've all been in that boat. What am I constantly doing to attract the same shit? What am I doing and why? And once you realize that, and uh, man, therapy will help you with the hardest thing, and that is self-reflection. When you have to realize when you're your own problem, it can be the most heartbreaking and the most it can be heartbreaking and just very what's the word I'm looking for? It basically it'll just have you looking down and out and feeling like, oh my gosh, the world is coming to an end. But at the same time, it can be exhilarating and empowering because you're like, all right, I know this about myself and guess what the fuck I'm not going to do no more. I'm not going to do the things that get in my own way again. You're probably going to do it, but then you can recognize it and go, uh, mm -mm. that's what got me in trouble the last time. I'm not going to act like this or me not communicating me just, you know, going into myself thinking that somebody should know how you feel. They should know that they did you wrong. That, I mean, cause some things, somebody does something you're like, really, you don't see how stupid or how hurting that was to me or whoever else. But sometimes you just have to, to not crawl in yourself and go, well, wait for them to figure it out themselves. No, it's time to communicate and say, look, I didn't like this. And it's a, accountability for the people that are around you and creating boundaries. So it's accountability because you go, you realize what you just did. Do you realize that that's not okay? But that's also creating boundaries for the people around you to know, to, to, for them to know you will not act like this around me. You will not say that to me. And that's not okay. Kind of like for the longest time, I've always been uncomfortable with people calling me a bitch, like your friends, any of that, that, Hey bitch. No, that's never been cool for me just don't like it and as I've gotten older don't call me a nigga just don't and it was very uncomfortable for me for a long time to tell people do not call me that period I don't care if you mean it endearing I don't see it as endearing it is not endearing and if you want to say it that's cool that's your life you ain't got to worry about me calling you that but don't call me that and creating these boundaries and don't be not black trying to say it around me either because that's not okay in any way. And I'm going to create that boundary. I don't care if it is your life. So it's just 
accountability and boundaries. And it's important to, to start doing that and having that mindset of it's okay to say this. It's okay to get out of my own way. It's okay to just be better, think better, do better. And it starts with our mindset. And it starts with surrounding ourselves around people that help us with that. Because that is, if, if thinking positively, and not to say that everything's rosy. It is not. But if you surround yourself by people that are always doing the same things, the, the, you know, the things that are comfortable, then that's what your life is going to be. So if you want it to be different, you have to get out of your comfort zone. And one thing I've learned is I never want to be the best at anything in the room. I'm always like, all right, I know a little bit about a lot of things, but I don't know everything. And that's cool. I'll speak on the things that I know, but I want to be in a room with people that say and do things that are different from from what I'm used to, um, that are empowering to other groups of people. And I want to be around that because it's motivating for me. Even if I don't want to do the same things that they do, it's nice to have that person that'll hold me accountable saying, hey, this this may not be what you want to do, but these are the, the disciplines that you need to have for whatever you want to do. And it's nice to have that group of people to kind of pull you along. And I think sometimes that's uncomfortable to do too because you don't want to feel like you're leaving your people or your friends. Um, but a couple of things will happen with that. One, if the people that you're hanging around is not helping you grow, then you probably want to start getting some distance between them anyway. Um, but two, if you're growing, you can pull people along to help them with their growth too. And it can be this really dope um, friendship that you can can keep over the years. Um, I find myself talking a lot about just things that are going on in the world when I'm with a group of people, which is interesting because that was not always my life. Um, I always talked about pop culture and, you know, what was going on in, I guess, the celebrity world, I guess. Not really, but I, that's probably the easiest way to kind of define it. Um, but now I find myself talking about cultural things that are happening and um, systemic things that are going on. You know, so that's a different talk. And I can't have that talk with all of my friends. So I realize I need to find some people that I can have that dialogue with because that not even just having the talk is what can we do about it? I love being around people that are problem solvers because they help me with how can we make a change in the world? How can we make a change in our city? Just different things like that. So I find myself seeking people that that are like-minded that way too. Um, so once you figure out what you want to do with your life, if you figure you, you got to be tired of where you were at and want to do to do something different. So that's where you start. And then you have to be willing to do the work to get you there. And I am a procrastinator that is in literally like trying to figure out what do I need to do and what disciplines do I need to do. So it's getting a planner and writing things out to make sure that I'm doing my tasks every single day. Because I will think, oh, okay, I can do that right now. And then I let other things get in the way, which is why I'm trying to get better with a podcast. So working on 
picking a day to do it. Um, but I'm a procrastinator and how do I surround myself with people that aren't procrastinating that can hold me accountable and help me with that? So it's always about finding different, a mix of different people. So they'll help me with me and discipline and my, my, you know, my thoughts and what books are you reading? Cause maybe I should read some of those too, or listen to them. Audiobooks are great. Um, haven't put my library card into you. So, Hey, let me, you know, the library has audiobooks and things now too. So just trying to change my, not really my vision because I know what I want my life to look like. Um, I've expanded my vision even more. Uh, something I was taught years ago is if your dreams or your visions only include, excuse me, you and your immediate family, they're not big enough. So I've definitely over the years have expanded my vision. And now it's finally, as I've been slowly morphing into the person that I am now and, you know, the person that I'm still growing into, it's, all right, how do I find people with this mindset to kind of pull me along on this journey? And then how do I pull other people along with this journey? And how, you know, how do you change the culture and the dynamics of, of where you are in life, if that makes any sense? So... All right, I've been rambling. Um, hopefully, this is helpful to someone, anyone, I'm not sure. But Or if you just like hearing my voice, hey, hi, here it is. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I definitely look forward to talking to you guys uh, again. Thank you for listening. Um, if you have any messages, anything like that, definitely send me um questions on here, comments on here. I love it. Uh, you can find me on Instagram under Shamira Not Shamira, also on Facebook as Shamira Not Shamira. Um, and I'm working on a Twitter account too, so that should be coming shortly. Uh, but I definitely look forward to hearing from you guys and thanks for being a part of my random mind. Have a nice day, y'all. Oh, thank you.